Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by informed millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, May 12th, 2018. We apologize for not bringing you a show last week. We are sort of back this week in what has been a bizarre week, to say the least. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to expound on that, Rach, or... Well, it's just been a shit week generally. And then, uh, let's see, Thursday night, um, I went out to Hamburger Mary's, which is a institution in Denver. It's a gay bar. <coughs> and had a couple drinks, had a lovely time. I was walking back uh, from the show with my girlfriend Sandy, and a dude came up behind us and said... Hey, bitches, give me your purses. And we sort of flung around to see this guy with a gun pointed at us. Um, he's probably like my height, like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, kind of scrawny guy with a bandana covering his entire face except for his eyes. And he said, I'm not fucking around. I'm not fucking around. And Sandy uh, was like, hold on, hold on. Like, back up, man. Wait, just like calm down. And he took the gun and pistol whipped me on the side of my face, um, on my head, my skull, and took my purse and ran away. <clears throat> so I went to the hospital, and uh, yeah, it was awful. I have a giant bump on my head, but in addition to that, a small brain bleed from where he hit me. Um, I was in the hospital overnight, and they checked it again in the morning to make sure it hadn't grown, and it had not, and so I was allowed to go home, and here I am at home a couple days later. My face looks like something out of Star Trek, um, and yeah, it was just pretty, pretty fucking awful. Yeah, we're not BSing. This actually happened. And, uh, I don't know why you would BS about something like that. No, no. But that's sort of weirdly been the reaction of some people <clears throat> Yeah, when they've heard the story. This actually happened, and um, I, I don't know what else to say about that um, other than we're recovering. This has been less than 36 hours. Yeah. We're both going on very little sleep, uh, and... I'll probably have more things to say about it in the coming weeks. Yeah. But uh, right now, that's where I am. So fortunately, Rachel is recovering and still with us. And yeah, could have been a lot worse. Yep, yeah. and of course she did not have to podcast today, but she expressed the desire to do so. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> Off to a happy start. Yeah. So the world. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it was revealed. This week that uh, a bunch of corporations, among other entities, paid Michael Cohen a lot of money to essentially be a lobbyist, even though he is not registered as a lobbyist and he has no experience as a lobbyist and he's not a lobbyist. No, unless you define like taking a bunch of money and telling the president what to do. That's not really a lobbyist. So. No, no. So essentially, AT you've heard about this. Uh, <coughs> AT&T, Novartis, who else am I forgetting? Novartis is a big drug company, of uh, course. Some airspace company. Korean, Korean aerospace, that's yeah. right. 
um, and a Russian oligarch via a financial company that he basically fronts in the United States, all gave immediately after the election, they gave Michael Cohen a bunch of money. And for the most part, he didn't really do much for them or so he claimed. Well, we don't know what he did or didn't do. <laughs> and that's what's going to be unfolding. I'm not going to get too much into that because you've heard about it by now. I just want to opine a little bit about the way the media has sort of reacted to it. Uh, it, It's been sort of a big scandalous story, but some of the cool kids, especially the Politico types and some of the New York Times cool kids and everybody are sort of reacting with this very like, oh, well, you people acting so surprised or outraged by this. Don't don't you know this is how Washington works it's all uh, pay for play and dirty money and favoritism and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, mm, okay. Uh, while you may have a point, nobody was writing these cool kid, I know so much and I'm so hip to the insight and I'm so savvy pieces about all the bogus stories that were floated about the Clinton Foundation. Right. None of which, by the way, has amounted to anything as far as I know so far, other than like some vague, okay, this person donated money to the Clinton Foundation and then they also seemed to be part of this thing that might have benefited this one person, but we don't know. It's it, There was nothing ever as direct as what we have here with Cohen. Uh, and I didn't see any of those stories. In fact, I just saw a bunch of hyperventilating. Is this pay for play? Is this corrupt? Are the foreign in- influencers influencing Clinton through the Clinton Foundation? Like, yeah, that's all I ever saw. Yeah. When, as far as that, they're was so corrupt. It's just corruption here and there and everywhere. Right. But now, since it's Trump, when it's like some mob lawyer and the president, it's fine. We have to normalize it and be like, <laughs> don't you know that's, that's how, how Washington, Washington works? works? Come on. Find something more important to care about. Right. And it's like, well, how about fuck you? Yep. First. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off and go fuck yourself. And even if that's true, isn't the bigger story that Trump just wailed and bellowed about drain the swamp, drain the swamp, drain the swamp, get influence out of politics. And you idiots just regurgitated that nonstop. Right. Or isn't the bigger story, hey, this is how Washington works? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then let's do some investigative journalism into how Washington actually works and blow some shit up. Right. Right. Instead, it's very dismissive. Like, we're not, you know, that this is just, this is just run of the mill stuff. So whatever. We can't be bothered explaining how K Street in Washington really works to you idiots. Yeah. Oh, it's infuriating. Yes, very much so. It's infuriating because exactly like you say, like, okay, let's dive a little deeper into that. Because even bigger than the Cohen revelations, and and we're going to find out more. And this is all because of Michael Avenatti, by the way. And Mm -hmm. we can get into the stuff about him and that and some other stuff that's come about about him, which is interesting. It just doesn't necessarily mean anything. But... um, we know that Paul Ryan basically sat down with Sheldon Adelson, said, OK, tech, for technical reasons, I'm going to leave the room now. And then he wrote a $30 million check to the RNC. And everybody seems to be fine with that. Reporters are just kind of shrugging at that. <laughs> who did he who left the room? Ryan did. Ah. Yeah, I'm going to go get coffee now. And whatever happens, I don't know. 
Oh, look, a $30 million check from Sheldon Adelson directly to the (laughs) RNC. Whatever Whatever does this mean? What shall we do with this? So you have the Republican Party working on behalf of literally one casino mogul and newspaper owner, I guess, and the Russians. And that's kind of it. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. And it's not a big deal. And don't talk about it. It's normal. That's this is just how Washington works. So stop, you know, being outraged about it. And, you know, life's go life goes on. Everything's fine. This is this is this is again another attempt when the, the the Trump cabal is doing disgusting things, they just can't resist normalizing it. Right. We have to normalize this. We have to make this seem like it's business as usual. And why? Uh, because they can't cover it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> then they're not very good at their jobs. No, no, they're not. They're, well, you know, I would argue their jobs, as far as they see it, is to get clicks. So, the death of journalism, I guess. So that's where we are on that. Um, it's important to note that uh, this was brought to light. There's a lot of interesting questions around this by Michael Avenatti. He, I guess, I don't know, if it was Monday or Tuesday. This week is a blur, obviously, as most weeks are, because we do this show weekly, and there's way too much news to catch up on weekly. But it was it was Stormy Daniels' lawyer who said, "Hey." Guess what? I have these bank bank statements, I guess. Was yeah, it? yeah. That show uh, Michael Cohen got paid all this money by all these entities and he got one or two minor things wrong. But for the most part, he got it all right to the point that these companies had to scramble and issue press releases and tweets and sort of clarify. And some of the early ones, the knee jerk cover your ass stuff was actually pretty funny. Uh, Novartis was like, well, that was our old CEO, so don't don't ask us about that. <laughs> they didn't get away with that. Yeah. Uh, and AT&T changed their story a bunch of times. But like a common theme, the way they sort of think they're weaseling out of culpability is by saying, well, he didn't really do much for us, but we paid him all this money anyway. Like That's not how business works. No. No, it isn't. Like he, he turned out to be a shitty lobbyist or the bribe turned out to be a shitty investment is basically what they're saying. Novartis right. basically almost said that word for word, which was kind of amazing. Well, and then so the old law firm that uh, – what was it? Giuliani worked for? Oh, we haven't even gotten to that. But right. Yeah. <laughs> they booted we'll his to, ass. <laughs> yeah. Greenberg Traurig. Yeah. Because he came in, right? He chimes in and starts saying all kinds of crazy shit. Giuliani. Right. He's like, you mean in terms of the newest Cohen revelations? Yeah, he's like... Well, he's calling oh, Avenatti an ambulance chaser and a pimp. Well, and- President Trump didn't know that Michael Cohen was accepting any of these payments or using them potentially to pay off people that he told them to pay off. <laughs> right, like Stormy Daniels. And Greenberg Traurig was like, we would not condone any of our employees doing anything of the sort without like direct knowledge and express consent from the client. So basically, go fuck yourself, Giuliani. <laughs> Can, can we hold on? Can we back up a second? Sure. Because you are the expert on how law firms operate. <laughs> sort of. Well, among the two of us. Okay. <laughs> and was Giuliani, Giuliani was not a partner in this firm. Oh, he probably was. Was he? Okay. Oh, probably. Like he's so high profile that there's no way he would have come on as like of counsel or something. He'd have been a partner. But that, but that's kind of my, my next point is that he was probably there for his name. He was absolutely there for his name and to raise the public profile of the firm. Yeah, he wasn't absolutely. like he wasn't out bringing in business for the firm. He or... probably was to a degree, but not like 
not like you'd think. Like, his angle's going to be, hey, I used to be this big prosecutor and mayor, so I have all these connections in the city well, and the government. Well, he doesn't have to. They, they know that by And his name. so if you have legal troubles, like, I can help you navigate the uh, justice system or New York State politics or New York State, you know, regulatory, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So probably he brought in some money, presumably, to the firm. Um and his name helped them, certainly. Sure. Uh, but they're a big, big law. Like, they don't need... They, they. This is a giant, what they call, loss prevention issue for them. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like we've talked about... And that doesn't about, mean he's taking home post-its without authorization. No. Uh, we've talked about this before. Like, to be a lawyer is one of the strictest ethical codes of any profession that exists. And there's a lot of rules. And you cannot run afoul of any of them. And especially big law firms have entire departments of the firm dedicated to making sure that their employees are not violating any of the ethical norms, or not ethical norms, but ethical rules of the Bar Association. Um so that's a pretty big deal, right? It's a very big deal. I mean, deal. think about this. This is this firm. Now, granted, I'm sure they were doing just fine before Giuliani, but oh, yeah. now you have Rudy Giuliani as a partner, so you can put his face on all your literature and your yeah. pictures. And, and the fact that they keep mentioning Greenberg Traurig, I, I just know that their version of, of my person at work is just dying. <laughs> She's just drinking every night, just like, fuck. <laughs> Stop saying the firm's name. Stop. Fuck. <laughs> it's probably more than one person. <laughs> it but is, but I just know. They're, they're drinking together. Yes. <laughs> just They're doing shots. Just like, no. By no. four in the afternoon, it's like, oh my God. Oh my God, I can't. But, Stop saying the firm's name. Just yeah. forget that we exist, please. Right, right. But my point is, for them to dump like their big celebrity guy that they use on all their flyers and their things, and like we're the Giuliani firm, right? You know, at least we're in the New York, big, right? Yeah, we're the big court because I, I, I'm assuming they do big corporate litigation yep. and the big, big, big money stuff. Yep, nothing piddly. No, so that's a big deal. It I is mean, a big like, deal. Like, and we don't know. They could have hauled him in and said like, you got to keep a low, lower profile dude, or you got to, you know, you're, you're kind of screwing it up here but here's the thing about Giuliani Every, everybody assumes they're, they're trying to read Giuliani and figure out like what's his angle what's his plan what's going on here uh, I just kind of think grandpa's off the rocker man yeah he's just like I heard somebody on Twitter say <laughs> Giuliani successfully plea bargained my speeding ticket to a first degree murder charge <laughs> Well, that's the thing, that's right? That's what's happening. It's what, like, what are you, stop talking. Well, we talked about this before. He was a prosecutor for many, many years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that elevated him to become the mayor of New York. Yes. And whether you think he was a good mayor or a bad mayor or it's great because he he was stood there in 9-11 and brought the city together, whatever. That's besides the point. The point is, like, did he ever do defense law? Probably at some point. Maybe he started as a public defender or something. I don't know. I don't know. Probably, maybe. You generally know you don't go from public defense to, to to DA, but you can. I mean, it just generally like people who want to go into prosecution start there. Um, but well, who knows? Here's the thing: and a lot of former prosecutors become defense attorneys because they understand how they would prosecute sure, you. That, sure, that makes sense. So it be it, it's a it's a bonus. Um, uh, for a lot of people to hire a prosecutor as your defense attorney. Yeah. Because they understand 
what the holes are going to be and how the prosecutor is going to come after you um, and how to fight that off. So prosecutors can be effective defense attorneys, certainly. Um, I don't know if he's ever done it before. I don't know. Right. So so I essentially Giuliani's like, here's a chance for me to get my face on TV 24 hours a day. Yeah. And I'm just going to wing it because I'm Rudy Giuliani and my ego is bigger than God and I'm so well, and smart. He, he's not a defense attorney right now. That's the thing, right? Trump has not been charged with anything. He, so he's he's being a prosecutor to a client, like a defense attorney, to a client who has not been charged with anything. And he's just like running around starting fires that he thinks he's putting them out, but they don't exist yet exactly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Duder, you got to stop talking. You got to stop talking. Just shh. Well, that's the whole thing about... We're getting off the rails, but it's going to be this kind of episode, folks. So I'm warning you now. It's going to be stream of consciousness. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this has been the, the hallmark of the Trump campaign and the presidency. It just seems like a, a rudderless ship that's bouncing around on the waves, crashing into rocks. And we're like, OK, I guess it's going to sink now. And then it just keeps on like churning and murdering all the sea creatures on its way. And yeah. It's like, how does this work? It's like a ghost ship or something. It's just like it can't be fell. I don't know. And then they're like, don't worry. We have this new sail. I know it has eight million holes in it and this is not a sailboat. But it, I feel certain that if we put the sail up on the non-sailboat that has holes in it, we're going to be fine. And, and, it's and like, then the sail just flaps around and it, falls down and you're like, oh, it didn't work. It keeps Next. chugging along. Yeah, but it keeps going. Keeps going. Now, like we, we like to think or just assume, even if we're trying to be as objective as possible, like this is all going to come crashing down sooner or later. Mueller is going to have a laundry list of either indictments or the stark reality of how corrupt and everything is, is going to come out. And it's like then something is ostensibly going to happen. But I, don't I would know. think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. It's just every day there's more revelations like, oh, it's so much worse than I thought. Oh, we were doing like direct pay for play through the lawyer. Oh, we had Russian oligarchs d- donating money directly to the inaugural fund. Oh, it's just yeah. every day just just piling the steaming shit on higher and higher and higher. And you have a non-defense attorney <gasps> acting as a defense attorney, making it exponentially worse every day. And he's just, he's just, what is he doing? Well, yeah, speaking of Giuliani, I, I, I honestly think he doesn't know. He's going on TV and he's just saying shit that no one <laughs> asked him. And you're like, wait, I'm sorry, Mr. Giuliani. That was not the question. What did you just say? What did you just reveal that was not part of this conversation? Well, that's how it all started, right? He went but he on, keeps doing it. He went on Hannity a couple weeks ago and he said... Oh, by the way, Trump reimbursed Cohen for paying off Stormy Daniels. And, and we're, why would you say that? If it's true, it's not true. You just made it up. Like, why would you say that? And I seriously think he's going in without a plan. He's just mouthing off. He's just running. It's, it's, it is grandpa ranting at the dinner table. Yeah. And Trump sometimes gets frustrated with him, but other times he's like, Giuliani's out there being my attack dog. So it's okay. And I don't think there's a plan. I don't think there's anything. I, I, um, the one new guy they brought on, uh, flood, that guy is only really there to try to stave off impeachment or when he gets impeached to keep him from being removed from office. Right. That's what he did for Clinton. Yeah. That's what he did for Clinton. And, and I guess it may have worked. I, I think he probably didn't want Clinton to get impeached in the first place, obviously. 
And that didn't work. But remember, Clinton was not removed from office. No. He, that vote fell short. Yes. Um, and, and, and I guess the thinking is here, like, dude, you're going to get impeached. We're going to lose the House and mm-hmm. maybe the Senate. And <clears throat> Mueller's going to announce everything he found on you and you're going to get impeached. And yes. you don't want to get be the f- second president in history to be re- – <laughs> first president in history to be removed from office. So – that's where we are uh, as far as that goes. But I wanted to talk about Avenatti first. Uh, go back to Avenatti for a minute because it's very interesting how this latest Cohen stuff was revealed. Michael Avenatti uh, basically posted bank statements or a bank statement or, or some kind of financial information that linked all these payments to Michael Cohen. And nobody knows how he came up with it. He's not revealing that. And um, people are shocked. People are shocked. They don't understand quite how this happened. For a minute, the who was the FEC? Somebody wanted to investigate how yeah. Clinton, how Avenatti, sorry, got his hands on that information, which yeah. I was kind of interested in too. But that's not the big story, obviously. Um, well, and somebody, some lawyer was saying, like, how pissed off is Mueller right now that that got leaked? Because it might tip his hand a little bit you know, tip their hand to Cohen and Trump. And I'm guessing this was not ideal for him. Maybe, maybe not. But Mueller has been looking into this very stuff for months, apparently, going all the way back to November. Yeah. So um, it's not news to him. No, but does he want the public to know about it this very second? I would guess not. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I would I would expect not. And why Avenatti chose to release it when he did or how he did, I'm not sure. Remember, He's not concerned about the Mueller investigation. He's concerned about his client. And his profile. Because yeah. let, let's face it, Avenatti is auditioning for his cable news gig that's inevitable after this. Yeah. And he's going to get it. And, you know, he may have his own show on CNN or MSNBC or something. Um and it was it was revealed about Avenatti this interesting story, which I don't know what it means. I don't think it means anything. That him and TV's Patrick uh, Dempsey, McDreamy, Doctor McDreamy, mm-hmm. went in a few years ago and bought a coffee shop franchise that was facing tremendous litigation and went under, and they just closed all the stores. <laughs> and Dempsey apparently accused Avenatti of screwing him over in that deal, and they settled out of court a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, but Rachel points out, not uncommon for business deals to go bad and things That's to get settled. That's just a bad business deal. That's like half of what my firm does is commercial litigation. <laughs> you go in with this grand plan for a business, and it doesn't work out, and one guy sues another guy, and then they settle, and that's that. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was like, Avenatti's a super dick or he was like embezzling money. But if that were the case, then there'd be criminal charges. So it's just a bad business deal and they settled and okay. Yeah, but let's remember. It's interesting that it's like a TV star or whatever. That's the only interesting <laughs> part about it for me. <laughs> well, now Avenatti's a TV star too. So yeah. it's really two TV stars. Right. Uh, but I, I think my point is, I, I think in time when they start digging into Avenatti, you'll find stuff. He's a he's a rich dude. He's, he's a, a rich, rich lawyer. lawyer. Mm-hmm. He ain't, you know, he ain't everybody's boyfriend. He's probably not the super nicest guy. No, no. you know, probably not. And I and I think that's probably good. 
I think you kind of, like I said, in Raising Arizona, you need an outlaw to find, catch an outlaw, something right? like that. I mean, I don't think he's corrupt necessarily. I have no reason to believe that. I just think, no. you know, rich people are assholes. Well, it, what's become clear, and, and Avenatti knows how to play these guys really well, right? Is that Giuliani is super jealous of Michael yes. Avenatti. Like, yes. he's getting all this airtime. He's calm. He's composed. He never loses his cool. His client listens to him. His client <laughs> listens to him. He just very, very, like, calmly rips people apart in his very, like... With, like, a charming smile calm, on his face. Calm, charming, handsome guy way. Mm-hmm. And, and Giuliani's just going nuts. He's calling him an ambulance chaser and a pimp and a, you know, and that's how, you know, you're really winning, right? When you're just hurling person, yes. like cheap, ad hominem arguments, ad hominem, yeah. like, you know, schoolyard insults the other yeah. way. Like, oh, you must, you must be doing really well in this. Uh... <laughs> you just sit there and go, anyway, so your client, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm out. He's like, oh, this is too easy. Yeah. This is too easy. Yeah, <laughs> like it's great. It's just perfect. He just knows how to needle these people so hard, and it does seem a little personal. Like Stormy Daniels came to him and was like, "You know, I just don't want to take these guys down. I want to humiliate them." Mm-hmm. Like they tried to, they tried to basically call me a whore and they threatened my kid. Yep. I want to unleash hell, and Avenatti's like, "Yeah, we can do that." Okay, sounds good. Tell me everything. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Uh, yeah, no problem. Guarantee you it was fucking with her kid. Guarantee you she'd have, she'd have done whatever, whatever. Don't fuck with ladies' kids, man. Don't threaten people's kids or their families. They just, no. You can call her a slut all day long. She doesn't give a fuck. She wears that name proudly. Mm-hmm. But you start threatening her child, like, in person in front of her, and you burn the world down. And what's really funny is some of the Trump defenders try to get off on shaming her for being a porn actress. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. And it's like, how 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 does that logic even work? How are you going to... Do you think she doesn't know that she's a porn actress or what's the insult? So the, the, the defense here is of the defense of the guy that paid her the hush money? Like, what what is... That's like calling an astronaut an astronaut and being like, sick burn. <laughs> You're a she space chose, man. You're you're a fucking astronaut. God. <laughs> fucking astronaut. Fucking astronauts. No, she chose her profession. She's proud of it. She's made a lot of money doing it. She's very uh, successful. So calling her her profession is not I mean you're you're the guy you you're the people who paid her off cuz you're you, you didn't know. want the bad press of having an affair with a porn star while your baby wife just gave birth. Right. So, you know. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, She's the bad person. Let's pivot to the Elliot Broidy conspiracy rabbit hole. Okay. I really am. Yeah. Please tell me. Because <laughs> originally, let me just tell you what I understand. Originally, <clears throat> it was revealed that he knocked up a Playboy bunny and then gave her $1.2 or $1.6 million, million negotiated by our pal Michael Cohen. And his resident other side lawyer that he gets in on these payoffs. To shut her up. To shut her up. And I forget her name, and I'm sorry. And so, okay. And then he says... And we're like, huh, And then he comes out, and he's like, yep, that's what happened. (laughs) Immediately. Immediately. Right, well... (laughs) And so, okay. Okay, there was this piece in in The New Yorker that came out. Uh, I don't think it was... I think it was last week. Uh, And we were going to talk about Saturday, but we couldn't podcast Saturday for a litany of reasons. Um, But anyway, 
uh, it, it kind of explained piece by piece that, yeah, dude, it wasn't Elliot Brody. It was Trump. Right. <laughs> and remember Elliot, Elliot Brody's wife was just standing there with him? Yeah. And and she didn't have that look. No, you, you know not really. Look. We've seen the Elliot Spitzer wife look. We've seen the Anthony Weiner wife look. We've seen the Mark Sanford wife look. We know. The she look. just looked very calm. She just looked very calm. And that's not a necessarily a tell, but no, you know, it's but interesting. it's interesting. So then it turns out that he did not knock up a porn or a Playboy bunny and have Michael Cohen pay her off. Trump did. Is that the accusation? Yes, and he lays and it's it actually out. Elliot Brody's wife, who is an attorney, mm-hmm. who helped facilitate that payment. Is um, that correct? I didn't hear about that part. Okay. That would be really that would be another interesting angle, but he kind of laid it out, and it's just some very common sense things, right? Like who has a pattern in history of doing this? Who is the fixer for taking care of these things? Um, it, it's very coincidental that this guy who's peripherally related to the campaign uh, and stands to gain this huge windfall from being on Trump's good side, which him and his wife did because they do all this international money stuff and they've come into like $75, $80 million from these deals. Um, (laughs) The woman is, is just Trump's type. It's, it's Trump's MO. Uh, She got, this woman got knocked up, which is why the, the rate was so high. The, the payoff was so high and it's just, he adds this all together and it's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And and the part that got our antenna up, because I remember us talking about it when it happened and we didn't delve into it. We didn't jump into the conspiracy angle, but we just kind of said like right away, like these, these, somebody leaked it first of all, and it came out in the press and they called up Elliot Brody and Elliot Brody's like, yep, that's it. That's all true. That happened. Yep. Put to bed. Case closed. And it's like. When does that ever happen? Right. And <clears throat> yeah, he didn't try to deny it. There was no, <laughs> please speak to my attorney. Our other question I remember back in the day was, why didn't he just pay her off himself? That's right. Why didn't he just right. give her money? That's right. Why does he need to go through Michael Cohen? It's not like he's Trump and he needs a loan. <laughs> he's got billions. He could just hand her $1.5 million. And we speculated at the time he didn't want wifey finding out. <laughs> Um, or for tax purposes, potentially. But it turns out that, and I don't know if this is proven or not, or it's just, I don't know, that this is actually oh, what no, happened. Oh, no, 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 this is all, this is all a, a, a hypothesis. Okay. It's but then just, I heard something about the wife, too. The wife's a lawyer, and somehow she... She may have been involved Was somehow. involved, too. But anyway, anyway, I'm 80 to 90% convinced that's what happened. Um, and it's interesting... It, it, it's not, I, I don't know the legal ramifications of that, if there are any. I know it would be very scary, let's say, if this lady spilled those beans, because she knows the truth, obviously. Obviously. And 1.6 is a good chunk of change, but if she calls Avenatti and she's like, hey, dude, you want to look at this NDA I signed and just see if we got a case here? And he's like, forget 1.6, we're going to get a hell of a lot more. Right. Then she could blow this all up. And that, that would be pretty crazy because yeah. now you're talking about a kid out of wedlock. Well, she had an abortion. Did she? Yeah, remember? That's right. Oh. It was her snap. choice and only her choice. And I had nothing oh, to do with it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 This, that would be some shit. 
Of course, they probably threatened her and God only knows what. And 1.6 million is a good chunk of change. It's more than 130 grand, obviously. Uh, But it's a really interesting hypothesis. Don't have any evidence to back it up. It just fits. Um, And Elliot Broidy has no history of things that Trump does. That we know of. (laughs) That we know of. He's not famous or anything. No, sure. But I don't know, man. It sure is coincidental. Yeah. It sure is. It sure is. So I find the New Yorker article, and I'm sorry. I'm so badly unprepared. I don't remember the name of the author. I don't remember the name of the article. <laughs> Google New Yorker, Elliot Brody, Trump, Playmate. It'll it'll come up. It's been all over the place. Yeah. Uh, really interesting, though. And boy, if that came to light, boy, howdy do. And I think Avenatti might have that uh, ace in his hole. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> May have the ace up the sleeve. Like, oh, by the way, yeah, it wasn't Elliot Brody that knocked like, up that uh, uh, girl and paid her to have an abortion. I, this other guy. I feel like, who fucks like some rich trust fund? How does he meet a Playboy bunny? Like, it makes sense for Trump, right? right. He hung around those circles. Yes. He was always at the mansion. Yes. He fancied Buddy himself one of the, yeah, yeah this yeah. Elliot Brody guy, like, what? I mean, he's a rich guy, so he could certainly ostensibly. Maybe. Yeah, he could. You know, I'm sure they could have crossed paths, but just seems the, much more likely, is all. Uh, and let me let me also put it this way: What is the reason, unless he's promising financial favors for this Playboy Bunny to want to bang an Elliot Broidy, just because he's a rich, influential politics guy? Horribly fat, disgusting, gross man. Whereas Donald Trump is Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. And even if it's bullshit, you think he can forward your career and do things for you. Right. And he's connected to TV and he's connected to yeah, media exactly. in all these ways. Yes. Like, or Brody's not. He's a rich look, trust fund or hedge fund guy, right? Right. He's very rich. And, and who's to say that oh, maybe she just liked him? I, I mean, look, <laughs> crazier things have happened. I'm, for I'm, sure. I'm, we are not for sure that it wasn't Elliot Brody. No. But... Boy, it sure smells a lot like a Trump Cohen stupid hairbrained. Although it worked, the media ate it up. They're like, "Oh, yep, sure." And we we were curious, but we were like, "Okay, Elliot Brody." Just goes to <laughs> prove that Michael Cohen has clients. First of all, which is another thing that he needs to prove so that anything is privileged that he's ever said. And second of all, that this is what he does best, which doesn't look good for people like Hannity, but. Anyway. Uh, yeah, more stuff came out about Hannity and his real estate stuff this week. Oh, really? He's basically a slumlord. But That's anyway. Shocking. Yeah, right. But anyway, look, mm, <laughs> the FBI has documentation about the Brady fix. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they do. They're 10 steps ahead of us, I promise you. So just keep your eye on that because... I think it could be really, really, really interesting. Yes. Me too. Okay. Speaking of me too. Yeah. I do want to talk about this. Schneiderman. Uh, Schneiderman, R. Kelly, um, Woody Allen, and... um, Was there Woody Allen news this week? And uh, Polanski news. Uh, There's news about all of them. Oh, Polanski. Woody Allen and Roman Polanski were both kicked out of the Academy. Good. Um, 
as was Bill Cosby was stripped of that and something else um, and like stripped of all awards and they're done and they're throwing a fit about it. <laughs> I bet they are. Can I interject with something mm-hmm. here? Uh, I don't know if this is still happening, but there was more, more Charlie Rose allegations. Uh-huh. Came out. Yes. But like a day or two before that happened and the one thing probably spurred the other, it was announced that some network was going to give Charlie Rose a show yeah. to talk to other men who's Who'd had been their accused. been accused and had their quote careers ruined because of Me Too. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it was supposed to be a Mia culpa thing with these guys talking about how regretful they were, or if it was complaining about it. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's still happening. Oh, people lost their goddamn minds. Yeah. No. 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 Well, let me ask you this then. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a preconceived question here. What if you knew it was Charlie Rose was hosting the show and it was all these men just talking about how they were horrible and they deserve everything they get and they're really sorry. What no. if you knew it was that? No. Okay. Fuck off. I don't okay. I need to hear from you ever again. I, I don't need to hear from you. I, you don't need to be on my television. You don't need to be doing any of that. If you'd like to write an apology letter to every woman you did that to and then go quietly into the fucking night and I never hear from you again, great. Fair enough. But they don't need a platform to re- resurrect or clean their image. How about not? Yeah. How about we have somebody that's not Charlie Rose have a television <laughs> show where they bring on all the victims and help them do great things because I'm sure they're multi-talented, amazing people. I'm sure we'll get there. I hope we'll get there. I'm surprised we haven't gotten there already. They just do like piecemeal. Like, yeah, there could be a show devoted to it and you would, you'd never have enough seasons to cover every, yeah. everybody. And yeah. that's just the famous women. Yeah. Or the women who have been fucked over by famous men. That's just that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that show. Yeah. I'm in. Speaking of that, this is... You should is, host it. Yeah. Right. I'm in. Um, this mute R. Kelly thing is exactly this point, right? R. Kelly, this uh, R&B musician um, from the 90s, Well, 80s, we don't have 90s. to be NPR. I think people know who he right? is. Right. <laughs> okay. And he's got like 20 years of abuse allegations against him. Videotape of pedophilia. Yeah. And, and abuse. Um, yeah. Physical uh, abuse. Physical abuse, kidnapping, false imprisonment. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. He's like Chris Brown, basically. And a bunch of women of color a while ago, prior to Me Too, as far as I know, um, started this campaign to, quote, uh, hashtag mute R. Kelly. And what their goal was, was basically to make him disappear. We don't want him on Spotify. Mm-hmm. We don't want him on Apple. We don't want him on any platform. We don't want any uh, shows, no live performances. We want to pretend he never existed. Right. Fuck him. And it was kind of this small movement. Nobody really took it seriously. And then Me Too happened. And then more allegations against him came out. And more men started to fall. And people started to go, yeah, no, this is this, that makes sense. And this week... Apple, Spotify, and two or three others that I don't know the names of because I don't use them, <clears throat> all removed um, R. Kelly from any official playlist. They don't, You cannot stream R. Kelly anymore from any of their platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and AXS announced that it would pull any um, concert dates that it had with R. Kelly um, amidst the promise of massive protests outside of any R. Kelly shows and boycotts of the venues that allowed him to be there. Which is what we had to do here so that Bill Cosby wouldn't have a yes. show just a year or two ago, mm-hmm. which is crazy making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It worked, though. Yeah, it did. Um, anyway, so that is a really extraordinary accomplishment. And I, you know, 
I'm sorry that it took them so long. And I think that there's certainly a racial component there. Um, but they are, as always, leaders of the, these movements, uh, these women of color. And um, I just think that they're tremendous. And I am so glad that, that it worked. And I hope that it continues to work. And for all these motherfuckers, 50 Cent coming out and be like, he hasn't even been charged with anything. Just bleh, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear from any men about this in defense of these men. I don't care what you have to say. Well, a lot of those men are probably worried they're next. This is not to say 50 Cent has done anything along the lines of R. Kelly. I don't know. But maybe something from it. He's worried something from his past is going to come up. Probably. You know, um, I don't know. Or they're just like good buddies. How you be good buddies with somebody like that? I don't know. I think it speaks to your character. But Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, look. Good buddies happens all across everything. Remember, we're still pissed at Rachel Maddow for running the Tom Brokaw's defense. Yes, very, very mad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Polanski, Allen, R. Kelly. And didn't Polanski say something? Yeah, he had some fucking comment about it. Again, let me remind everybody, because this always pisses me off. When everybody talks about the nexus of the liberal elite world and like Hollywood, I say fuck that and I say fuck Hollywood and I've been adamant on fuck Hollywood. When Hollywood does get together and they raise money for AIDS awareness and homeless children and things, that's great. That's wonderful. But overall, fuck them because for many reasons, uh, the the first of which um, a, a few years ago, remember Roman Polanski raped drugged and raped a 13 year old girl at a photo shoot back in the late 70s yeah. early 80s uh was facing prosecution so fled to europe mm-hmm. um finally came back after the statute of limitations was up and the at the academy just awards resumed making films they gave him a big standing ovation and that's when i i never watched the oscar since then i don't remember what year that was early 2000s mid 2000s i know I stopped watching the Oscars and I stopped really giving a shit about Hollywood because if you're in their clique, then everything is okay. Um, and so anytime a conservative or my dad, oh, Hollywood, I'm like, yeah, fuck Hollywood. I don't care. You're not offending me. Well, and particularly given all of the Me Too allegations and the abuse of women in Hollywood. And I how mean- Hollywood went out of its way to cover for Harvey Weinstein and then people like uh, ben Affleck and Matt Damon had to walk back their their knee jerk support for Weinstein when these allegations first came out. And Tarantino, yeah, He's a garbage person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all had to. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, all right. Yeah, At the same wrong. time, there are a lot of really great people doing a lot of really great things that can provide, you know, representation and tell stories that maybe not have not been told before. There are good things that come out of film. Period. Maybe just not, maybe we just need a giant turnover of that, you know? Yeah. Because if you look at some of the movies that have come out and some of the stories that have been told and some of the 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 newer generation of actors and things like that, I think that there's some, some goodness that can come out of it. But we don't need to have, like, some buddy-buddy relationship with Hollywood where, like, oh, they're liberal too, so everything's fine. Like, we have no interest in that. No, no, we I'm never, not saying, we never but have. But we're also, like, huge fans of film. Yeah, you know, I I try not to let those paths cross to an extent. Like, I have been grossed out to the point where I don't really find myself. I find myself kind of avoiding Woody Allen movies. Oh, I don't watch them. And I kind I don't of watch avoid them. Harvey Weinstein movies. Yeah, which is hard especially to do. now. Well, now it's going to be really fucking easy. But well, yes, but I mean, movies made before the last 
five, ten years. Yeah, I don't watch Woody Allen films. Right. Uh, Tom Cruise is a weird, gross Scientologist, but I can't, I probably maybe should boycott him, but I don't really boycott him, even though he makes really shitty movies for the most part. Well, I don't watch his movies because they're not very good. Most of them. Some of them are good. But anyway, the, the point is like, okay, I'll take John Voight for an example. John Voight is a, is a gross garbage Republican, mm-hmm. uh, but he's a fine actor and I don't boycott watching him, you know? Same with James, James Woods really has turned into total garbage. Yeah, uh, he's still a great actor, and I enjoy his work. So whatever, you know, I'm not not watching him because of his political viewpoints. It's not about politics; it's about abuse. Yes, that's 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 important to note. I'm saying in the grand nexus of things, when people say you liberal Hollywood elites stick together, and it's like, no, no. it's not about Hollywood. No. So anyway, we're rambling and ranting and going in eighty million different directions, and we're going to keep doing that when we come back. <laughs> uh, Republicans have decided to even though they face some rebuke about just trying to pour dirt over john mccain's grave while he's still alive yeah and uh yeah that's the thing that's happening we'll talk about that and some other stuff when we come back so don't go anywhere describe what the situation looks like oh my god it's horrifying like at first when i was in the hospital like the first like hour i could just feel like this bump on the side of my head like my right side of my head above my eye but over a couple inches and it just felt like the square shape of the butt of a pistol like the actual outline of it i could feel it yeah and it was was actually bigger than that yeah i couldn't see it i didn't see myself for hours thank god and then um and then it just like my whole head was just super swollen and then the bruising started and now it's all pooled into my eye my right eye and my eye is almost swollen shut i have it on ice almost all the time um but it's just like the deepest shade of purple that you could possibly imagine with like a little bit of green around the edges yeah you look like rocky balboa at the end of rocky three yeah, except he didn't actually hit my eye. My no. eye doesn't hurt. It's just all the blood had to find somewhere to go. Right. And so it went into my eye socket. And it's just sitting there. And it looks, it's horrifying. Last night it was really bad because it was just like, just it's just like disfigured almost with the amount of swelling around the head and eye and temple and cheek. And hmm. it's hard to open my mouth all the way because like my jaw temple area is really sore so eating's kind of difficult and yeah it's a nightmare it's not fun yeah yeah so here we are uh since the world is a terrible place breaking news that one dead and six are injured in a stabbing attack in paris great so there's that um in other news getting back to giuliani for a second it is revealed that uh 
AT&T paid Cohen up to like 600,000 and there was a mer- there's a planned merger mm-hmm. AT&T and Time Warner, yep. right? Yep. That supposedly Trump opposed. So ostensibly they paid him a lot of money to be more friendly to that merger. I guess. I guess and Giuliani either yesterday or this morning decided to say that Trump did somehow get involved in that. Which is insane. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why would you say that? You're basically admitting to organized bribery or influence peddling. Uh-huh. Which at the highest e- levels of government. At the highest levels of government, which even if you can't press legally is a influence peddling scam. I'm uh, pretty sure that's illegal. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what the it law is. It depends exactly on the permutations, is, but yeah. like I'm pretty sure you can't pay the president to interfere with FEC or SEC uh, merger. Like, just I'm just pretty sure that's illegal. Well, Giuliani, for some reason, last night or this morning or at some point, because we've been a little detached, said that Trump did that, and then he walked it back this morning. Oh no, 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 he didn't. And and I I just I just can't. He's got to pull him back and tell him to shut up, right? He's got to fire him at this point. I mean. I don't know why he's allowed to talk after the first day. <laughs> after that first what, Hannity interview. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I sort of got the Hannity interview. Like, look, this is going to come out. He definitely fucking banged this porn star. He definitely knew that she was being paid off. He definitely, like, reimbursed the guy. Like, it's going to come out, so I may as well just drop it. Just drop it mm. on Hannity and then let it let the cards fall. They made. I but, don't think that's what he was thinking. I just think he was well, running That's what mouth. he says he was thinking. Okay. He says, I planned it. I knew that this was a thing. I knew that they were lying about it. I decided to just come clean. I'm like, that worked so well, I guess, <laughs> that he was like, I'll just say more things and yeah, see how that Whatever comes goes. to mind. What yeah. could go wrong? I'll just say more true things that are totally illegal and maybe people will just forgive him. Yeah. And every time it would leak that Trump was frustrated or wanted to rein in Giuliani, Giuliani, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. He said to say whatever I want. So here are some things. Listen. Right. Here, I have more things. Oh, oh more things. Uh, whatever lawyers are left in the room, I guess McGann is still around. Um, is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Remember though, McGann's role is he's White House counsel. He's not personal counsel. Right. So it's, there's weird lines that Trump certainly doesn't understand. No. He thinks he's, they're all his personal lawyers. Yes. But so, but this is, this is not a normal president. So I'm sure McGann is not sure where to draw those lines right well i'm sure he's certain about where the lines are um but you know explaining that to the man baby is probably not that fun well it might even be a little confusing for him right because technically you're defending the office of the presidency but when the man holding the office is a train wreck nightmare criminal mobster i think those lines are a little blurry (laughs) right yeah they have to be i mean he's defending him in his official capacity as president so when he does illegal shit in his official capacity as president, then... Well, he has to go back to what is legal for the president, and then since there's some gray area there still, or semi-undecided stuff, you have to kind of represent your client, and then you're taking on this role that's much more of a personal attorney than a White House attorney. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't believe he still has the job. I can't believe he didn't quit already. I... (laughs) Maybe the Giuliani thing pushes him over the edge, because now it's crazy town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would love to hear Giuliani's rationale for saying, no, no, no. I wanted to come out and imply or say that the president did get involved 
in the AT&T Time Warner merger after it was revealed his personal attorney took $600,000. I wanted to get that out there for some reason. Even <laughs> though <laughs> no, no one was alleging that exactly yet. I just wanted no. to put the cart before the horse and say, I know that you are, haven't figured this out yet, but my client has also done these other things you were not sure if he did or not. He did. It's, it's, I, don't I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, stabbing attack in Paris could be ISIS, could be an incel, could be anybody. Anybody, I don't know, but it'll be the NRA will be happy because see knives, mm-hmm. and it's because Paris doesn't have guns that there was a knife attack. Because mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Great. Great. So there's that. Uh, what else did you want to talk about? Speaking of the NRA, you want to talk about Oliver North? <laughs> Kids my age may not know exactly who that is. I sure as fuck didn't. Okay. All right, we're going to have a history lesson, boys and girls. And and I know our older listeners out there, uh, you know all of this already. Yeah. But, you know. I, like, knew he was a bad guy who was, like, around during, like, the Reagan times. But I right. didn't really know, like, and something about, like, the Iran thing. One of them, the Iran-Contra, I think. Well, that's what I'm going to get to. Yeah. That was his role, basically. Um, good old Ronnie Reagan really, really was terrified of the spread of communism, where... Uh, you know, in in in, in like the eighties, singularly 80s, obsessed with it, right? Yes, and in the eighties, there was commun. You know, there was communism was spreading to an extent in South and Central America, which are very close to us. Mm-hmm. And in um, in Nicaragua, there was a communist insurgency that took over the government called the Sandinistas. Mm -hmm. And it was very, some similarities to the Cuban revolution. It was a corrupt autocratic government who was polluting the country and had like secret police and super authoritarian. So that, you know, that that's the breeding ground for Mm -hmm. an insurgence of the polar opposite swing of that, whether it's left wing to right wing, et cetera. Right. So that happened. And the Sandinistas, much like the Cuban Revolution, were popular and had the backing of most of the populace. And mm-hmm. But Reagan couldn't let this happen in his backyard. So I, I don't exactly remember the, the permutations of him trying to get Congress, but I think Congress was pretty reticent to, to jump into another war on foreign soil because of the fear of the spread of a communist regime like we were only we were less than 10 years i think at that point or about 10 years removed from actually leaving vietnam right that's not that long nope it's been way more than 10 years since like the iraq war well we're still already. in the iraq war yeah, so yeah. you know so you could understand everybody's reticence in wanting to get involved but reagan said we have to do something about this. So there was a resistance group, basically, in Nicaragua called the Contras, uh, basically a paramilitary right-wing group who were allied heavily with drug runners, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Escobar and all that in the 80s. It's just a wonderful time to be alive. Uh, and <laughs> Reagan needed to send arms and money, or basically money, he needed to fund, fund the Contras to fight the Sandinistas, but he couldn't get appropriation from Congress to do it. So he had Oliver North, who's a general, to secretly launch this plan to fund the Contras in Nicaragua. And the best way he saw fit to do it 
was to arm, was to sell arms to Iran. Ayatollah Khomeini. Okay. Remember, Iran was not our buddy, certainly. Right. And Iran had a, you know, a a growing confrontation or they were leading up to full all-out war at that time with Iraq. I don't think they had yet, but they were gearing up to because Saddam and the Ba'athist Sunnis very opposed to the Shia and we're not going to get into all that. Iraq and a war were Iraq and Iran and Iran. What did you say? Iraq and Iraq. Iraq and Iraq. Iraq and Iran were at war for uh, many years. Right. But they were just coming up on it. So this guy, Ollie North goes in and goes, I'm going to sell Iran a bunch of arms. Conventional weapons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we were arming, arming Saddam and teaching him how to make biological and chemical weapons and all that good stuff. Good, good. Okay. We were arming both sides. Very American, Mm -hmm. very American foreign policy. Uh, And so anyway, uh, this came to light. And so Reagan was actually, a lot of people don't remember this, was actually dragged up to Capitol Hill to answer questions about this because this, it was revealed. So how did the money get to the Contras or did the arms get to them or? No, the arms got to the Iranians and the money for those arms got funneled to the Contras all behind uh-huh. Congress's back. So the Iranians gave the money to the Contras? No, to us. How does that help the Contras? We send them the money. Because they, could, they couldn't appropriate the money through normal channels from Congress. So, so we just like sent some money. dude down there with some money? Basically. Okay. Oliver North sold weapons to the Iranians. The same Iranians he's on, he's on Fox News now screaming about. They're so dangerous. I mean, they, they, they're amazing that the conservatives do this without any sense of irony. Mm-hmm. Like literally, he's on Fox News like every night saying about how it's great we walked out of the Iran deal because Iran's so dangerous. Um, Why is Iran so dangerous, Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sold arms to the Iranians to fund the Contras for an illegal war that Congress would not have approved in Nicaragua. Wow. And now he's the president of the NRA. He, yeah, now Ollie North is the president of the NRA. And Reagan was hauled up on Capitol Hill and basically said, I don't remember doing any of this, which he could have been telling the truth because he had early set, onset Alzheimer's at that point. But he was never held to account, and people forget and don't seem to care. And as but isn't it the irony that like responsible gun owners, or does that come to mean responsible gun owners sell their guns to terrorist organizations? Is that what we do now, Mister North? I is that what being a responsible gun owner is? I, I couldn't begin to... I, everything that any conservative entity does is just to make us mad. But it's just like, who? why does anyone like... I don't, okay. It's just to make people like me and you angry. That's, that's all they want at this point. We're going to own those libs. It's like people who destroy their own consumer goods that they bought and then some company has an anti-gun message and then they like blow up their own $400 coolers and burn their own jerseys and yeah destroy their own the, that they bought like with their money and then we're though. and then we're supposed to be upset by that right I'm not <laughs> and you know we try to take it a step further like you know just if you dyed your hair pink we'd really feel owned and you know set your car on fire we'll just we'll be so triggered you know like I shouldn't do that don't I mean, put lemon juice in your eyes and record it <laughs> Please, I'll be very triggered. Like the libtards are just going to hate it. I will hate it so much. 
you know, when you punch yourself in the balls and squirt <laughs> lemon juice into your eyes while, you know, running naked down the street. Yeah. Please don't do that. Please don't. I'll be very It'll triggered. It'll be so upsetting. And I'll, and I'll have to retweet it everywhere to show how triggered I am. Uh-huh. God, I hate them. <laughs> it's just ridiculous at this point. It's just like, I, who cares? I, but that's like, that, that I think has to be the motivation. Like... Oliver North is, I, I mean, I figured, why not somebody like Ted Nugent? You know? Right. I don't know. I guess Oliver North was a general, so I guess that makes more sense. And Ted Nugent was a pants-shitting draft dodger. <laughs> so is Trump. Yeah, so, yeah, but, but like Ted Nugent went on record that he literally shat his own pants so as not to be drafted. So that the recruiters would be like, ah, oh, this guy's too crazy. We can't send him. Okay. So I don't well, know what to say about that. Ollie I mean, North. It's your club. You do what you want with your own private club, but I get to make fun of you. Well, and I and I do think that some of like some of the generic polling has tightened and Trump's approval has nicked up a tiny bit in the last few weeks and there people are trying to analyze that. And I really do think it's the it's the gun people getting their backs up a little bit, being more prone to want to answer phones and say that, you know, whatever. And that's fine. And I don't think that makes a difference because those people were, are going to show up and vote all the time anyway, because they're convinced Democrats are going to come to take their guns all the time. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that. Okay. Whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my party. It's not my club. I'm not a member yeah, the NRA and the gun people were getting shit on very solidly for a solid month or two, and now they've got their back up. And yeah, so okay, okay, sounds Have good. Have fun. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what the fuck ever. Yeah, yeah, we're still we're still showing up to to vote come November, and I still think it's going to be a rude awakening for the people that are still the politicians still depending on that sweet sweet NRA money. Yeah. But it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. A lot of interesting things going to happen. Um, we didn't talk about the most recent special elections. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about the fact that the bunch of new female candidates who have been winning their primaries. Yeah. I don't have numbers in front of me. No, I don't either. Uh, but it, it did seem to me that night and the next morning that... Uh, if you're a Democrat and you have a female sounding first name, you did pretty well. Well, I think the one person in particular, and it sucks that I don't know her name off the top of my head right now, but was actually one of the Trump accusers of harassment. Yes. And she won her primary race for a state house seat. I'm yes, that is correct. Which is kind of extraordinary, right? It is kind of extraordinary. It went way under the radar. Yeah. But she won. Yeah. I mean, the primary. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, what her district looks like and if she can win in a general, but I think that's pretty awesome. Well, one thing that's potentially problematic that we will have to give context to because the mainstream media won't is that a lot of these up and coming women who won their primaries are going against very, very, very tough red seats. Yeah. So a lot of them probably may not win. We'll see how big the wave is. Yep. But you know the mainstream media would love to run with that if a bunch of them don't win in these very tough seats to say, oh, you see, maybe it's not the year of the woman after all. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, they can spin it however they want, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. In November. Yeah. And I think this is much bigger than a one-term movement. I think so, too. I hope so. I hope so, least. too. Yeah. yeah. 
So anyway, Don Blankenship is this caricature of a person who was running for uh, Senate. Was it House or Senate? I guess it was, I think it was, uh, no, yeah, it was Senate. He, he's going to challenge, he was going to challenge Manchin. And he made, he had a big beef with Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell for the right wing base has become a great punching bag. Almost She's like a Pelosi. As, <laughs> kind of even more effective than Pelosi for them because yeah. he's seen as establishment and it's all about Trump and the outsiders. Right. Anyway, in the Sago mine blast that killed 29 people a few years ago, Don Blankenship owned that mine and eventually went to prison for doing all kinds of horrible, grotesque things like uh, falsifying safety reports and refusing to put in regulations and safety measures, which... And ignoring the safety measures that were already in place. Yes. And, and, and um, yeah, having a very unsafe mine, <clears throat> which prompted an explosion, which killed how many people? 29. 29 people. And they found him criminally liable for that. He, he went, went to, to prison. Jail. He just got out about a year ago. And he immediately decided to run for Senate in West Virginia, big coal mine country. Yes. Uh, the fact that he got any votes is kind of astonishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he sort of jumped from nowhere to on the radar by being super, super racist. Yeah. And he's the one that had the, the ad about the China people. Yeah. Mitch McConnell's wife is uh, Asian. I'm not sure what. Chinese. American, Chinese? I think. Okay. Chow. Um, and... So he started talking about how McConnell and his Chinese people, referring China people, China people, sorry, to his wife, I guess. Uh, so that was disgusting. And then um, just tried to out Trump, Trump, uh, you know, all the way, just burn everything down. And tr- Trump eventually came out and said, "Don't vote, Don't for, this vote guy. for this guy. Vote for one of the two others." Which is weird to tell everybody to split the vote. That's not really. Like, he didn't pick anybody. Else. <laughs> so it's not. Right. He was just like, "Don't vote for this guy." And this guy was like, what a Trump thing to do. See, I'm like Trump. Trump says I don't run, so I keep running anyway. Vote for me and you could have the best of both worlds, Trump and me. And then there were some internal polls that looked like he might actually do it. But he didn't. He got beat pretty solidly. He came in third. Yeah. He, he got like 20%. He did. Which is just crazy to me. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's 20% uh, of Republican voters who vote in primaries. So. Yeah, but, but still, this is the guy that went to prison for killing 29 coal miners. What do you guys want? I mean, I can't. Look, the the Bernie people and the and the media and the cool kids say we have to reach out and understand these Appalachia people and the blue collar. Like I can't compete with murdering you. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't, I can't be like, hey, I'll murder you in a coal mine. Sure. I'll do that. Fuck it. I will take away your health care. I will skirt safety regulations so you die in a coal mine. And it's like you and your whole family. I can't find that in the Democratic platform. I'm sorry. <laughs> No. I'm sorry, Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry, Nina Turner. I'm sorry, Chris Arnaud. I, I, I can't, as a Democrat, I, I can't compete with that. No. I just can't. No. No. And, and if that's what moves the voters, then okay. I guess it's that and the racism. Are the racism just Trump's all? Including, like, you murdered my family? Yeah. Like, I guarantee you, if Hillary Clinton was running in that primary, she'd do less than 20%. So saying, quote, I want to put coal miners out of business is way worse than actually killing them. Yes. Which, I don't know. Is there a logic there? Like, I'll die on my feet doing what I love, but at least I'll have the, that job that I want or don't really want. I, I don't I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know how to... I, I don't know how to compete with killing you. <laughs> white, white collar, disaffected, economic anxiety voters. Nope. I can't, I can't compete with that. 
So I get. But we, I'm not going to start saying China people. So if no. that's what it is, then sorry. Well, that is what it is, and that's yes. what nobody wants to admit when they keep harping on this. You have to reach out to the Trump voters and understand their concerns and their needs. And no. Their, their needs are racism. They really need you to be overtly racist out loud in public. Yeah. So that makes them feel safe. Yeah, and superior. Yes. Because we're still pushing it away. We still don't want to admit it. We still don't want to talk about it. White, regular white people started to feel very marginalized after eight years of Obama and... The in the racial inequality seemingly, not really in many respects, but seemingly starting to evaporate. White people are like, well, wh- are we not special anymore? Right. Are we not the best? <laughs> no, we're the and, worst. And Trump comes along and very unambiguously says, no, you guys are still the best. We are the best, you guys. Mm-hmm. And they like that message. Not just we're the best, but like look at how bad they are. Remember that conversation with my dad? Yeah, which one? Where even he had to admit, like he's like, "Oh, Trump's a buffoon. I can't vote for him." But there's something about mm-hmm. there's something about it. And what I didn't want to tell my dad at the time was like, "Yeah, you're hearing the dog whistle, Dad, mm-hmm. and it's subconscious or it's right below the surface, and you don't want to admit it, but that that something that gets you going is the dog whistle." Yeah, it's the not that I think your dad's racist, no. but it's that like. That especially older white men, that Mm -hmm. sense of unfairness, like it's not fair that my dad got to have all this stuff and I don't. It's not fair. And I've been told it's these people's fault. And so I want to make them go away. Yeah. Yeah. Or why don't I get this stuff? Yeah. And then now we have the rash of the white lady calling the cops on black people (laughs) for being black. Which is probably nowhere close to anything new. It's just in the age of cell phone cameras and yeah. Instagram and since it's, and since Facebook it happened video. at Starbucks, it's like everybody's real keen to it. Like this black person was sleeping in their at their college where they go to school in the communal student, area communal lounge area, yeah, on a couch yeah. on a couch, and a fellow student called and reported them for being black. Um, and when the cops got there, they wouldn't believe she was really there. Even when she unlocked her own dorm room, they were still harassing her for her ID in this paper and that paper. And... Yeah. Yeah. There's been a rash of them, though, like a whole bunch. Like, Yeah. This week we had a family in Oakland, California, barbecuing and a gross middle-aged oh, yeah. white lady yep. called the cops. Because they the, were in like a park in the neighborhood. They were in a park that supposedly there was a new no grilling ordinance for some reason. No or charcoal. Or, and I, so I don't know. she called the police and the police came and it's like, just white people stop calling the police forever. Never call the police. No. In that case, I think she actually called the cops twice because they didn't even show the first time. Yeah. Because they were like, no. No. And then I think she called again and then she had taken some ladies. I, I don't know. There's something happened and the lady who called the cops wound up crying and saying she was being harassed, which mm-hmm. was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had, what else happened? We talked about the LA fitness thing. Uh, it also, Bob Marley's granddaughter uh, <laughs> got harassed for Black, coming Blackwell out of Airbnb. Airbnb. That's uh-huh. a new thing. Yep. Swarm of cop cars. I think we talked about that one last time, but no, maybe we not. Didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't because we just found out about it a couple days ago. Because black people don't have suitcases. 
Obviously. Yeah. Uh, these people were leaving their Airbnb and loading suitcases into their car and a nosy white neighbor lady looking through her window called the cops and the cops swarmed. And they're like, what are you doing here? And they're like, they're like, we got reports of someone looting this house and stealing. And they're like, looting the house. Okay, these we are our were, suitcases. We were staying here. We had an Airbnb And the cops claimed not to know what an Airbnb is. One of the cops didn't know, which is amazeballs. It's bullshit. Um, well, if it isn't bullshit, that's even scarier, right? Because yeah. now you think everybody's breaking into houses. <laughs> Why would you assume someone was breaking into that house? Because they're black. Right. In a white neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So this rash has got to stop. I mean, it's every time I open anything, it's like, here's five more. And it's just, I don't have the energy to be as angry as I am. And it's a lot of busybody white ladies. <laughs> uh, this goes along. Did we talk about the Colorado State incident with the two Native American kids who were quiet? So the, And they had heavy metal t-shirts on. So the right. lady. There was a tour at my alma mater. And yeah, there was like, you know, a bunch of kids and their parents touring the school to see if it's a place they might like to go. And these two Native American uh, students were walking, and they didn't have their parents with them, which is pretty common. And this white lady who had her daughter, I think, with her, thought they looked suspicious because they were too quiet. And so she called... And they, they were wearing, like, heavy metal t-shirts uh-huh. that said, like, decapitated cows or something. I don't okay. Know. No, I'm not saying it's an excuse. <laughs> I'm just... That probably she probably didn't really didn't like that. Well, that probably scared her. She should send her kids to homeschooling then, because they're going to see. Kid might have been homeschooled for all we know. We didn't get that part of the story. But CSU has a very robust Native American studies program. Uh, Some of my dear friends uh, went through that and now work for that program. And let me tell you. Uh, it did not go over well at my alma mater. That's so gross. Uh, Got picked up by a bunch of um, national news and. Uh, actually was talking to a guy the other night who wrote uh, one of the news reports for NBC and he said it was interesting because he's the only native guy in the room and he had to like push for them to cover this story because it's not about black people it's about indigenous people and he himself is and he said uh, when he finally explained the angle they were like oh okay and then it like blew up you know but um, yeah he was saying that for sure like the, the Native American Studies Department, like there were protests and uh, Frank, the president of the university, came out with a really strong statement. Yeah, and they, they've really gone out of their way to try yeah. to rectify it. That's like not just, you don't do that at CSU. We had another incident at Duke University where the I don't know if it was the VP or the stuffy dean or some rich white southern asshole very high up at Duke was going to a somewhere on the student center that like a coffee shop and they were playing some rap song with uh lyrics that by young Dolph. I don't know who young Dolph is, but that's the name, uh, who the guy found inappropriate or offensive. So he got those baristas fired. What? And it caused, Oh, you didn't hear about this Mm. one. Yeah. And it caused a huge uproar. And the guy eventually apologized and Duke apologized. And I think the kids got their job back and young Dolph gave each of the baristas like 20 grand, God, <laughs> uh, which is great. Yeah. Um, we'll cover like half a semester. There was a funny tweet. Uh, a guy was like, like, Hey, I got fired for putting up a, a, a Jeff Bezos poster at my work. Jeff, help me out. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, so there was that. Um, it's just another day, another week in John Roberts' post-racial America. Yeah, 
Yep. Where he declared racism was over, so now we can reinstitute Jim Crow laws, which makes so much sense. Yes. Gutting the Voting Rights Act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, there's a bunch more shit I'm not remembering. There was the kids at, was it Dillard's or Neiman Marcus or one of those awful places that like I will like burst into flames if I step into? I think it was Nordstrom Rack. Yeah, yeah, same deal. These kids that were, I think were shopping for prom or something? Yeah, for, kids. for prom tuxes, Was right? it in St. Louis? I don't remember oh, where it was. Fuck, I should, I, 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 it's not as important. I think it was somewhere in the South, because of the South. <laughs> Kiss the fingers. I'm from the South, so I can say that. <laughs> uh, these kids were walking around and... Looking for suits to wear to prom. Looking for suits May, to wear to prom. You know? Actually, apparently could tell they were kind of being followed and stared at. Of course at. they could so tell. So they said, you know what? We better just buy something just to get these people off our back. So they bought like a hat or something. And somebody left a hat in a dressing room. So they went back and this like old white lady ran up to him and said, you should be ashamed of yourselves for what you're doing. And they're like, what the fuck lady? What are you talking about? And then they leave them all and they're surrounded by security. And they're like, what did you steal? What did you steal? And it turns out they didn't steal a damn thing. No, they also didn't get an opportunity to buy a suit for prom because they were so badly harassed that they left. Yeah, it was a big deal. Apparently, some employees got fired, I think. Um, once again, we saw the party line that we see from all the cops and these corporations. This is not our standard policy and we need to be more inclusive. And now we're going to train everybody and on and on and on and on it goes. Uh, what was I thinking? Oh, there was a movie that I actually, uh, we're going to have to watch it sometime now that I think of it, that my parents actually rented and we all watched as a family of all crazy things. It's from 1970 and it's called Watermelon Man. And it's about a, a racist white guy who wakes up black one day. Wow. Like, like a Jim Carrey type of spoof thing, right? Except it's like, it's satire, black comedy, not horrible pun, sorry. Like satire, you know, it's about racism. And one of the scenes in the movie is the guy is trying to go to like the country club or something he used to go to. Mm-hmm. And he he gets kicked out and his wife shows up and the cops are like, yeah, he stole something. We don't know what it was yet, but he definitely stole something. Yeah. And it's like, that was 1970. Right. And that was that was the, the dark comedic, like satirical joke they were trying to make 46, seven years ago. Wow. 47 yeah. years ago. I'm sure that movie has many racial problems too <laughs> from the seventies. Like I'm sure there are horribly like, it's called watermelon man. It's not getting off to a good start for me, but well, no, but um, it's, it's, it's satire about ra- horrible racism. Yeah. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I was a kid when I saw it, so we're going to have to rewatch it. Yeah. But I know it was, it, it still has lasting power as like a very early, like blunt look at racism. Yeah. So. Wow. It's interesting. Yeah. But here we still are in mm-hmm. the year 2018. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to be getting better. This is a conversation I keep having, which is like, if you talk to black people, this has always happened. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. At the same time. It does seem to be, you know, happening more. And we can't decide if, like, it's we're seeing it more because of smartphones, which we know that's true, right? That's part of it. But is it also happening more because people are feeling more emboldened because of this administration? I don't know. And the victims are feeling more emboldened to talk about it. Right. And say, hey, this happened to me. Right, right. Like, usually they wouldn't wouldn't say anything because nobody wanted to hear it or nobody cared. 
or it's or you're like being too sensitive and that's not because of your black it's or, because or, it was a misunderstanding or like being a woman in the world yes. in order to cope with the world and get through every day without screaming or strangling somebody you just learn to live with it yes you do. Like I'm going to the mall and I live in a primarily white part of town. So I'm going to get profiled and I might get harassed and I might get accused of stealing something, whatever. That's my day to day life. Yep. Yep. To contrast that, imagine the white person who doesn't even get accused of stealing, just gets inconvenienced because there's a long line <laughs> or they're trying to return an item and they don't have a receipt. And the tag's off of it and is stained and obviously been worn five times and they throw a fucking fit. Well, even, yeah, but have you ever seen, I mean, we've all seen it. Yes. And we've, some of us have worked in retail, so mm-hmm. we've seen it firsthand. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, talk about being disruptive. Yeah. Stop yelling at me, Marge. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes an African-American customer does that is unreasonable. Sure. But. Not really. Not in my experience. <laughs> no, I've seen it. <laughs> really? I've seen it. But then again, I've lived in very more diverse places. So. Yeah. But, I have two. I just didn't have jobs then because yeah. I was younger. But, but I, it was, it is much more prevalent among That's white that privilege customers. thing. Yeah. They're not going to get what they're going to get their way. There's no question of like something bad happening to them when they throw a fit. It's just whether or not they get their way. The only bad outcome they're looking at is I don't get my way. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's no other possibility. The c- cops are not going to show up no. if Marge is berating the poor cashier. No. Because she can't return the five-year-old blouse right. that, you know, she spilled red wine on. Right. Right. With no receipt. Mm-hmm. Right. That she probably didn't even buy there. <laughs> and eventually they'll capitulate to her and just be like, do you want store credit? I don't know. Yeah, just stop yeah, yelling. Just, just stop yelling because now you're scaring away the other customers. But literally, if, if a black person did that, though, they're literally cops. Mall security. Yeah. If they even requested to return something without a receipt or tag, would you steal this? And now you're trying to return it to get money? Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's so awful. Yeah. I'm sorry I don't have the energy to yell and scream about it, but <laughs> y'all know how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's more on that. There was the lady, I just read about this this morning, the grandma. Did we talk about this in the first half or did we just talk about this privately? The the grandma who got pulled over by the cop oh, yeah. in Georgia. I think it was Alpharetta, Georgia. Because she apparently swerved into his lane a little bit while making a turn. So he pulled her over. He wrote her a ticket for an illegal lane change. She didn't want to sign the ticket, which is not, it doesn't really make a difference um, whether you sign the ticket or not. Signing a traffic citation is just acknowledgement that the cop said you're getting the citation and you have the option to do this, this or that. Right. That's all. Yeah. If you refuse to sign it, it doesn't make the ticket invalid. No. <laughs> the cop just has to write to write a little bit of extra. Like there's probably even a checkbox. Right. Like signature uh, refusal. Signature refusal explained all permutations of what happened. Right. But cops don't want to be disrespected like that. So the cops essentially dragged grandma out of the car screaming and afraid for her life and like twisted her arm and slapped the cuffs on for nothing. That cop did get fired. Good. I'm glad to say, if I remember correctly. And of course, the police department had to like, this is not our standard training. Uh, But the lady should have signed the ticket because the place to argue this is in court. It's like, no, she's well. She was still going to argue it in court, though. Like, God. Yeah. And to your point this morning, you said forcing someone to sign as something invalidates the purpose of a signature. Yeah. That's, like, you're forcing them to sign it. 
then that signature is not valid. Unless you're in the mafia and it's like, you know, Don Corleone, your brains or your signature will be on the paper. That's not the cop's function. It's not no. to be no. a mob. No. So if you refuse to sign your ticket for an illegal lane change, like you're still going to get a court summons. Um, yeah. and, and you still have to show up and if you want to say, well, it's okay. I didn't sign the ticket. Like you're still going to get your license suspended or whatever. Um, so no, and probably like the DA is going to be a little bit harder on you. Cause you were like, kind of like not nice to the cop and yeah, maybe, you know. but, but the point is it's not an arrestable offense. If you no. d- decide to not sign it's not even your a conversation. ticket or your illegal lane change, you ticket. just say, I refuse to sign that. And they go, okay. Okay. See you in court. Yeah. And that's that. That's that. That's literally that. In fact, if you're that much of a dick cop, you're like, oh, good. Because maybe you're, maybe you're dumb enough to think if you didn't sign it, it doesn't count. You're going to get your license suspended and it's going right. to fuck up your life. But it, but no, because a good a number of cops, I'm not saying all cops, another hashtag, not all cops, a good number of cops become cops so they can have a position of power over people and bully and boss them around. And if you tell a cop no – or you tell a cop, I don't want to do this, or I'm going to make you do extra paperwork now. Oh boy, do they get angry. Yep. Male, white male rage. Yeah. Boy, howdy. With a badge and a gun. Pow, pow. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I always advise people when you're speaking with the police to basically not. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as a victim of violent crime recently, I obviously had to speak with police. Um, and you know, that's different. I had to tell them what happened and describe the person that I was best I could and the circumstances behind what happened. And I would encourage that young man, if he is caught to not talk to police because (laughs) that's just get a lawyer. Right. Um, that's kind of amazing. You're here, the victim of this attack and that's what he should still not talk to the police though. He should not talk to the police. He should not talk to them. He's probably not a listener to this podcast. Probably not. But that goes for everybody. Don't talk to the cops. If they think you did something or you even suspect they think you did something, just don't. You have to identify yourself and provide identification if you have it. That's right. And date of birth. And then you just say, I'd prefer not to answer any voluntary questions. I prefer not to perform any voluntary tests. Yeah, we're not advising you not to sign your parking your yeah who cares sign it or don't i don't care but don't like don't start don't just the thing that people do is they just start talking they think they're going to talk their way out of it oh well or they've been told always the thing is i respectful to the police officer right and like that any question they ask you uh, american crime story or whatever it was yeah that's a great example of what can happen yeah like we're we're the good kind of brown people so we're going to cooperate with the cops and I'm going to let them talk to my son who's a minor without a lawyer thinking that it's just this piddly little thing about a car. Oh, he's being charged with murder and I just let him sit in a room and talk to police for 2 hours and he just told them all kinds of things that he's done. Like just don't. Yeah. Don't. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this show. It's been a weird show and we apologize, but it's been a weird week and we yes. don't apologize for that. No. And it's getting weirder by the minute. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what else Could to tell like you. Just use some good juju, you guys. Just like Send it a our break. Way. Not money, just, just no, juju. Just niceness. Just something nice. Yeah. Add a reverent duo. ReverendTestimony at gmail.com. Stay active. Stay tuned. Stay involved. We will uh, be here next week. Unless the cops drag us away. <laughs> Bye.